Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot, episode titled The Mystery of the Blue Train, where Poirot investigates the brutal murder of American heiress and theft of a fabulous ruby on the blue train from Calais to Nice. This will be a four-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Some experience of the English upper classes, have you not? Uh, yes, sir. I was in the service of the late Lord Frampton for several years. Mm. Uh, shall I uh, put out the dark grey suit, sir? Oh, there is a grease spot on the waistcoat. A morceau of filet de sole on la Jeannette I did there when I was lunching at the Ritz last Tuesday. Uh, there is no spot there now, sir. I have removed ah, it. Ah, très bien, Georges. I should have known you would have seen to it. Uh, supposing, my good George, that you had been born in the same social sphere as your late master, Lord Edward Frampton. No, 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 no. Suppose yourself a penniless aristocrat who had married an extremely wealthy wife and you discovered that your wife proposed, for excellent reasons, to divorce you. What would you do about it? I should endeavour, sir, uh, to make her change her mind. Ah, by peaceable or by forcible methods? You must excuse me, Monsieur Poirot, uh, but a gentleman would never resort to forcible means in a situation like that. Ah, but a costermonger would use force. <laughs> that is very interesting, Georges. For Monsieur Poirot. Hmm? I will see that he gets it. A note, sir, from Inspector Coe. Well, what does it say? Uh, we are about to interview the Comte de la Roche. Oh. The juge d'instruction begs that you will be present. Oh, then quickly, Georges, give me my unspotted suit. Well, gentlemen, I am here... May I ask why you wish to see me? Pray be seated, Monsieur le Comte. It is the affair of Madame Catherine that we are investigating. The affair of Madame Catherine? What do you mean by that? You are acquainted with the lady, I believe, Monsieur le Comte? Certainly I'm acquainted with her. Is that a criminal offence? Perhaps you do not know, Monsieur le Comte, that Madame Catherine has been murdered. Murdered? No, I did not know. Well, it's terrible. And Madame Kettering was strangled on the train bleu and her jewels were stolen. In uh, Madame's handbag, we found a letter to her from you. She had, it seems, arranged to meet you. <laughs> Why should I lie to you? We are all men of the world. Uh, you were to meet her in Paris and travel down with her, I believe. That was the original arrangement, but by Madame's wish it was changed. I was to meet her at Hier. You did not... Meet on the Tremble at the Galilean on the evening of the 14th. On the contrary, I arrived at Nice on the morning of that day, so what you suggest is impossible. Oh, quite so, quite so. Perhaps you could give us an account of your movements during the evening and night of the 14th. 
I dined in Monte Carlo at the Café de Paris. Afterwards, I went along to this sporting. I won a few thousand francs. I returned home at perhaps one o'clock. Your servant admitted you on your return to the villa? I let myself in with my own latchkey. I say, thank you. <coughs> ah, bring in Mademoiselle Maison. Yes, Monsieur le Juge. This way, Mademoiselle. Yes, sir. Now, will you be so good, mademoiselle, as to look at this gentleman? To the best of your remembrance, was it he who entered your mistress' compartment on the blue train in Paris? Well, I couldn't say, sir. No, I'm not sure, seeing as I only saw his back. It's hard to say. I rather think it may have been the gentleman. But you can't say for certain. No, sir. I'm afraid I can't. Very well, mademoiselle. That will do. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, one, more, one moment. There is a question I would like to put to mademoiselle, if I may. Oh, certainly, monsieur Poirot, if you must. Mm. What happened to the train tickets? Oh, well, the mistress had her own Pullman ticket, sir. I gave the others to the conductor. Oh, thank you, mademoiselle. Uh, well, gentlemen, am I to be detained further? Oh, assuredly not, monsieur le comte. Naturally, in view of madame's letter, we were bound to question you. I quite understand. Good day, monsieur. Good day. Good. It is much better to make him feel that he is not suspected. But uh, you will keep an eye on him. Two of my men will shadow him night and day. I uh, asked Monsieur Kettering to come here this morning. There are one or two suspicious circumstances. Such as? Well, this uh, lady with whom he is said to be travelling. Milan? Yes. She is staying at one hotel and he at another. Uh, that strikes me as rather odd. It looks as though they were being careful. Exactly. And what should they have to be so careful about? Mm, we might, I think, ask Monsieur Kettering a few questions. Very well. Yes, ask Monsieur Kettering if he'll be good enough to spare us a few minutes. Oui, monsieur. Uh, you may be right. Perhaps an excess of caution is suspicious. Precisely. Monsieur Kettering. Ah, good morning, monsieur. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. Why have you sent for me? Has anything fresh turned up? You are quite sure that you neither saw nor spoke with your wife on the train? I've answered that already. I did not. <laughs> you had no doubt your reasons? I did not know she was on the train. Mm. Madame Kettering, I understand, did not leave a will. I don't think she ever made one. Why do you ask? You inherit a very pretty little fortune. Just what do you mean by that? And who the hell are you, anyway? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I am probably the greatest detective in the world. <laughs> now, you are quite sure that you did not see or speak to your wife on the time blue. What are you getting at? Are you trying to insinuate that I killed her? <laughs> You'll have to do better than that. If I killed her, I should have had no need to steal her jewels, should I? Ah, oh, that is true. I, I, I did not think of If that. ever there was a clear case of murder and robbery, this is it. Poor Ruth. It was those damned rubies did for her. One more question, Monsieur Kettering. Will you give me the date when you last saw your wife? It must have been, um, well, over three weeks ago. Anything further? Uh, no, Monsieur Kettering. We need not trouble you any further. I wish you good morning. Thank you. Oh, and the uh, 
Next time you have nothing to tell me, uh-huh. don't hesitate to send for me. Tell me, Monsieur Carrage, when did you speak of the rubies to Monsieur Kettering? I have not spoken of them. It was only yesterday afternoon that we heard of them from Monsieur Van Olden. Then how did he know about them? Madame could not have told him, for he's not seen her for three weeks. And there's not been any hint of reference to them in the newspapers. And yet our gentleman knows all about them. I wonder now, yes, I wonder. Oui, monsieur? Uh, green lady. At once, monsieur. Oh, Derek! I thought I might find you here. Uh, Aren't you pleased to see me? Give me some kind of welcome at least. Uh, this is an unexpected pleasure. When did you leave London? Oh, a day or two ago. And your theatrical engagements? Oh, they are no longer of any concern to me. Really? You are not very amiable, Derek. Do you expect me to be? You think perhaps it is not prudent so soon. Uh, uh, you're lunching here. Yes, my darling. I am lunching with you. No, I'm exceedingly sorry. I have a very important engagement. Uh, monsieur? Uh, thank you. And uh, for madame? Uh, the same. Thank you, madame. Oh, you cannot deceive me, my darling. I know what you have done for me. Ah, have no fear. I am discreet. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, you are right. We will not speak of the matter again. But our troubles are ended. Our life together will be wonderful. Wonderful. Two million makes a difference, does it? Yes. Yes, of course it does. I ought to have known that. You'll help me to spend that two million, won't you, Mirelle? You know how. No woman better. Be quiet. What is the matter with you, Derek? See, people are staring at us. I will tell you what is the matter. I have finished with you, Mirelle. Oh, you are such a child, Derek. You are angry because I am being realistic. But I know you, Derek. You cannot live without me. I know it. Oh, I loved you before. I will love you a hundred times more now. I will make life wonderful for you. There is no one like Mirelle. <laughs> and now, Derek, will you give me lunch? No, Mirelle. No, I'm sorry, but I, I told you, I, I have an engagement. You are lunching with someone else? Yes, uh, with that lady over there. With that little English miss? I don't believe it. Goodbye, Mirelle. Uh, Miss Gray, will you... Uh, um, will you have lunch with me? Uh, I had to leave you so rapidly at Lady Tamplin's. Thank you. I should like to very much. Monsieur le Comte. Yes, Hippolyte, what is it? There is a lady to see you. A lady? She is, I think, a lady not known to monsieur. And where is this lady? In the salon, monsieur le Comte. I will see her. Yes, monsieur le Comte. Uh, Just a moment, Hippolyte. Yes, monsieur? There is something I must say to you. As you know, I arrived here last Tuesday morning. If the police or any other inquirer should question you, do not forget that fact. I arrived on Tuesday the 14th, not Wednesday the 15th, you understand? Perfectly, Monsieur le Comte. That is well, then. I'll go and see this mysterious visitor. Monsieur le Comte de la Roche. At your service, mademoiselle. My name is Mirelle. You may have heard of me. Who has not? 
The whole world is enchanted by your dancing. Oh, you must forgive this uh, unceremonious intrusion. But please be seated, mademoiselle, I beg you. We have mutual friends in Paris. I have heard of you from them. But I come to see you today for another reason. I have heard of you since I came to Nice. In a different way, you understand. Ah. I will be brutal. Nevertheless, believe that I have your welfare at heart. It is the police. They believe you killed Madame Kettering. What? But they are wrong. Certainly they are wrong. Oh, you say that, but you do not know the truth. I do. You know who killed Madame Kettering? It was her husband. He killed her. But how do you know of this, mademoiselle? He boasted of it to me beforehand. He was ruined, bankrupt, dishonored. Only the death of his wife could save him. He told me so. He traveled on the same train. She was not to know. But surely, mademoiselle, in that case, he would not steal the jewels. Oh, the rubies? Who could resist them? What do you want me to do, mademoiselle? Surely it is simple. You will go to the police. You will say to them that Monsieur Kettering committed the crime. And if they do not believe me, if they ask for proof? Send them to me, Monsieur le Comte. I will give them the proof they want. Well, Catherine, how did your lunch with Derek go? It went very well. Do you like him? I don't know. He is very attractive. Yes, he is. He likes you, Catherine. <laughs> he gave me a good lunch. Miss Gray is wanted on the telephone. Oh. Mr. Poirot wishes to speak with her. It doesn't look as if you can ever hope to get away from the blue train for long. Go on, Catherine. Go and dally with your detective. <laughs> good afternoon, Monsieur Poirot. Ah, mademoiselle. Uh, Monsieur Van Alden, the father of Madame Kettering, wishes very much to speak with you. Either at the Villa Marguerite or at this hotel, whichever you prefer. Uh, I don't think he really ought to come out here. Ah. I think it would be better if I came to Nice. Uh, excellent, mademoiselle. I will call for you myself in an auto. Uh, shall we say in about uh, three quarters of an hour? So our little detective story unfolds. <laughs> well, would you, would you like... To hear the developments of the case. Of course. Hmm. Well, at the moment, the police are keeping a close watch on the Comte de la Roche. The man Mrs. Kettering told me about on the train. Yeah, the, the same, yeah. And you think he is the murderer? Well, that is the theory. But do you believe that? Ah, uh, I did not say so. But tell me... Have you met Derek Kettering? I met him at Lady Tamplin's. I lunched with him yesterday. Ah, doubtless you observed him on the blue train. Yes, I noticed him. In the restaurant car? No, I didn't notice him at meals at all. I only saw him once, going into his wife's compartment. Ah, yes, it is a strange business. Uh, you said that you were awake, mademoiselle, when the train reached Lyon, and that you looked out of the window. You saw no tall, dark man such as the Comte de la Roche leave the train. I don't think I saw anyone at all. 
Oh, yes, there was a youngish lad in a cap and overcoat who got out. But I don't think he was leaving the train. Oh, but it is like this, you see. The Col de la Roche has an alibi. Well, an alibi, it is a very pestilential thing and always open to the gravest suspicion. But we are at the hotel, and I'm afraid you will have to repeat your story all over again for the benefit of Monsieur Van Alden. Miss Gray, I'd like to tell you that I'm very grateful to you. I think you did something to ease my poor Ruth's mind in the last hours of her life. Now, I want to ask you something. You have heard about the scoundrel that my poor girl had got herself mixed up with. The Comte de la Roche. Uh, Monsieur yes. Poirot has told me about him. Yes. In your judgment, do you think that she might have changed her mind after her conversation with you? I can't honestly tell you. She had certainly come to some decision and seemed more cheerful in consequence of it. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Miss Gray. Knighton, Poirot, uh, will you come in, please? Uh, Certainly. Of course. Uh, Miss Gray, I don't think you know my secretary, Major Knighton. How do you do? Miss Gray? Well, Poirot, uh, Miss Gray has told me all she knows, but the vital point remains a mystery. Uh, What is it, this vital point? Well, if only we knew what decision Ruth came to... She might have meant to leave the train and cable me. Mm. She may have meant to go on to here and have an assignation with the Comte there. We're completely in the dark. All we have is the maid's word that Ruth was startled and dismayed by his appearance at the train in Paris. Uh, If it was him. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. Uh, Miss Gray, will you stay to lunch? Oh, forgive me, Mr. Van Alden, but Lady Tamplin's giving one of her lunch parties. I promised I'd be there. Then I'll get Knighton to drive you back. Uh, that won't put you out, will it, Knighton? I'd be delighted. You're becoming a serious breaker of hearts, Catherine. What? <laughs> Mr. Knighton has been ringing you up again. Major Knighton? Whatever did he want? Ever since he ran you back the other day, he's never been off the phone. You must have made quite an impression. The funny thing is that I remember him quite well. He was in the hospital that Mother ran out here during the war. I was only a kid of about eight at the time. Was he badly wounded? Shot in the leg, if I remember rightly. Rather a nasty business. I think the doctors must have messed it up a bit. The surgeon said he wouldn't limp or anything, but when he dropped you off here the other day, he was distinctly dot and go one. Are you telling Catherine all about Major Knight and Lennox? Such a charming boy. <sighs> Just at first, I didn't remember him. We had so many, but now it all comes back. He was a bit too unimportant to be remembered before. Now that he's secretary to an American millionaire, Mother suddenly recovered her memory. Darling, what was Major Knighton ringing up about, anyway? He asked if you would go to the tennis this afternoon. Naturally, we accepted for you. He was very particular to say it was Mr. Van Alden's invitation. He said it so often that I began to smell a rat. (laughs) He's picking you up in the car at half past three. I'm very glad that you could come. I think it might be quite an exciting afternoon. Monsieur Poirot is going to be there also. Oh, I wouldn't have thought of him as a tennis fan. He is a very remarkable person who has done some very remarkable things. 
I remember I was staying in a house in Yorkshire, and Lady Clanraven's jewels were stolen. It seemed at first to be a simple robbery, but it completely baffled the local police. I wanted Lady Clanraven to call in Hercule Poirot, but they pinned their faith on Scotland Yard. And what happened? The jewels were never recovered. You really do believe in him? Hmm. I do indeed. The Comte de la Roche is a pretty wily customer. He's wriggled out of most things, but I think he has met his match in Hercule Poirot. So you think the Comte did it? Of course. Don't you? But he has an alibi. Oh, Miss Gray, you told me that you read detective stories. You must know that anyone who has a perfect alibi is always open to grave suspicion. Do you think real life is like that? Why? Fiction is founded on fact. But it is rather superior to it. Perhaps. Anyway, if I was a criminal, I should not like to have Hercule Poirot on my back. Oh, no more should I. <laughs> Bonjour, Monsieur Poirot, you look wonderful. Oh. <laughs> Bonjour, Monsieur Poirot. Uh, where is Mr. Van Alden? Uh, he will meet us at our seats. Uh, to tell you the truth, my friend, he is not too well pleased with me. He thinks I should fly myself in pursuit of criminals through all the byways of Nice. <laughs> I sort of thought myself that it wouldn't have been a bad plan. Ah, there you were wrong. I shall achieve quite as much by sitting here. At the tennis, one meets everyone. For example, here comes Monsieur Kettering. Good afternoon. Uh, oh. uh, Miss Gray? Good afternoon, Mr. Kettering, Monsieur Poirot was just saying that you meet everyone at the tennis. Oh, was he now? <laughs> uh oh, there's Mr. Van Alden. I'd better see what he wants. <laughs> I, I approve of that young man. And you, Mademoiselle? I like him very much. And you, Mr. Kettering? Yes, he's a very good fellow. Oh. He's a great admirer of yours, Monsieur Poirot. Huh? He was saying that if he were a criminal, he would hate to have you on his track. <laughs> Uh, that uh, reminds me, mademoiselle, when you were talking to that poor lady on the train, I think you must have dropped a cigarette case. I don't think so. Uh, not this one? You see, it has a little K on it in gold. No, it's not mine. Oh, a thousand apologies. We thought at first that it must have belonged to Madame Kittering, but she had another cigarette case in her bag. Uh, you do not know, I suppose, whether this was your wife's case or not, Monsieur Kittering. I don't know. I suppose so. Uh, is it not yours, by any chance? Certainly not. Well, I thought you might perhaps have dropped it when you were in your wife's compartment. I never was there. I've told you that a thousand times. Oh, a, a thousand pardons. It was Mademoiselle here who mentioned having seen you going in. Oh, well, you made a mistake, Miss Gray. From what the police have told me, I gather that my own compartment was only a door or two away from my wife's, though I never suspected the fact at the time. You must have seen me going into my own compartment. Ah, here comes Monsieur Van Alden. Oh, I can't think of anything I'd like less at the moment than an encounter with my father-in-law. Uh, <laughs> forgive me if I leave you. Good afternoon, Miss Gray. I'm glad you were able to accept my invitation. Thank you for inviting me, Mr. Van Alden. So do sit down. Knighton, uh, there is a seat right next to Miss Gray there. Oh, thanks. You seem fond of watching tennis, Monsieur Poirot. It is a pleasure to me, yes. Where I come from, business comes before pleasure. <laughs> Everyone has his own methods. I have always found it a pleasing idea to combine business and pleasure. Observe that tall old man opposite us, the one with the yellow face, 
and the venerable beard. Well, what about him? Well, that is Monsieur Papopoulos. He's a dealer in antiques of a worldwide reputation and widely suspected by the police of being a, a receiver of stolen goods, especially jewels. Oh, brother. Now, I ask myself, why is Monsieur Papopoulos suddenly come to Nice? <laughs> Well, I guess I must apologize to you, Poirot. Oh, uh, now, I have news for you. As you know, the Comte de la Roche has been under police surveillance ever since his interview with the Juge d'Instruction. Well, the day after that, during his absence, his villa was searched by the police. They didn't find anything, Alban. Uh, your acumen is not at fault, Monsieur Van Alden. They found nothing of an incriminating nature, but they were also keeping an eye on his car. He was followed on that day to Monte Carlo, from there he went by road to Monta. But his car is a very powerful one, it outdistanced his pursuers, and for a quarter of an hour they completely lost sight of him. And during that time, you think he concealed something by the roadside? By the roadside, no, but I made a little suggestion to Monsieur Carrage. In each bureau... The post in the neighborhood, it has been seen to her there is someone who knows the Comte de la Roche by sight. Because, you see, the best way of hiding a thing is by sending it away by post. Well? Well, voila. A small package mailed by the Comte in that vital quarter of an hour. To what address? Oh, unfortunately, it told us nothing. It was addressed to one of those little newspaper shops in Paris where letters and parcels are kept until called for. But what's in the package, Poirot? Ah, a cardboard box. Now, now is a good moment. All eyes are on the tennis. Look, monsieur. My God, the rubies. Coffee, Father. Thank you, Gia. Excuse me, Monsieur. There is a gentleman to see you, Monsieur Papopoulos. At this hour? He said it was very important. Uh, here is his card. Oh, read it for me, will you, my dear? Monsieur Hercule Poirot. Poirot? Oh, yes, I'll see him. Yes, Monsieur Papopoulos. I saw him yesterday at the tennis. I don't like this. Uh, my dear Monsieur Papopoulos. Oh, my dear Monsieur Poirot. Um, Sit down and have a cup of coffee, oh, Monsieur Poirot. Thank you. Uh, you will excuse me going on with my breakfast. Your call is a little early. Oh, it is scandalous, but you see, I'm pressed. You're working on a case, then? Mm, a very serious one, the death of Madame Kettering. Oh, that was the lady who died on the blue train, was it not? I saw a mention of it in the newspapers. And in what way can I assist you, Monsieur Paolo? By giving me your opinion on the contents of this box. Uh, uh, superb, then. Now take the rubies, have a close look at them. How much would you say they were worth? Is it really necessary to tell you? <laughs> you are shrewd, Monsieur <laughs> Popolis. No, it is not. As an imitation, they are quite excellent. Mm. Uh, would it be indiscreet to ask where you came across them? Oh, not at all. I have no objection to telling an old friend like yourself. <laughs> they were in the possession of the Comte de la Roche. Were they indeed? Monsieur Popolis, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. Huh? The originals of these jewels were stolen from Madame Kettering on the blue train. Now... 
I will say to you first this. I am not concerned with the recovery of these jewels. I am working not for the police, but for the father of Madame Kettering. I want to lay hands upon her killer. I am interested in the jewels only in so far as they may lead me to the man, you understand? I think so. Go on. Well, it, it seems to me probable, monsieur, that the jewels will change hands in Nice, may already have done so. I see. I say to myself this, if these jewels have changed hands in Nice, Monsieur Papopoulos would have heard of it. He has knowledge of all that passes in the jewel world. Would you like a croissant, Monsieur? Uh, uh, thank, thank you. Now, the police, you understand, don't enter into the matter. It is a personal affair. I have heard rumors. Oh, such as... Uh, is there any reason why I should pass them on to you? Yes, huh? yes, I, I, I think there is. You may remember, Monsieur Papopoulos, that 17 years ago there was a certain article in your hands left by a very prominent person which unaccountably disappeared. And you said that if I restore to you that article, I shall earn your undying gratitude. <laughs> yeah, I did restore it to you. It was the most unpleasant moment of my career. Mm, you will aid me then, as regards the jewels, monsieur, I can do nothing. Uh, I know nothing. I have heard nothing. But uh, I can perhaps do you a good turn. That is, if you are interested in racing. Oh, under certain circumstances, I might be. There is a horse running at Longchamp that would, I think, repay attention. Huh? Take a look at the newspaper. Here, you see? Ah, uh, the Marquis? I think, but I am not sure that it is an English horse. Asia? I think so, too. You really are the goods, Monsieur Poirot. Once and for all, you really are the goods. Oh, it is nothing. Order, method being prepared for eventualities beforehand. That is all there is to it. And have they arrested the Comte de la Roche? Uh, no. Why not? The Count's alibi is still unshaken. But that's nonsense. Well, yes, I rather think it is nonsense, but unfortunately we have to prove it so. However, at present there is something else which concerns me. Is the maid, Mademoiselle Mason, still here? Yes, 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 she's here. Uh, you, you want to see her? Yeah, if you please, I would be most grateful. Will you send in Miss Mason, please? Uh, just a few little questions I have to ask her. You wish to see me, sir? Ah, mademoiselle. <laughs> Be seated, will you? Oh, thank you, sir. Now, always I return to the question of the man on the train. You have been shown the Comte de la Roche, but you are not sure that he is the man. <laughs> I never saw the gentleman's face. That is what makes it so difficult. Mm, yes, precisely. Now, listen, mademoiselle. How do you know it was not your master, Monsieur Kettering, huh? The, the master, sir? <laughs> I don't think it could have been. But you are not sure. Really, I never thought of it, sir. Well, you've heard that your master was on the train. What more natural than it should be him? Well, yes, it, it might have been the master. I wouldn't like to say either way, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you very much, mademoiselle. I shall not require you any further. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, uh, oh, there, there is 
Just one thing more. Is hmm? this your mistress' cigarette case? No, sir, it is... At least... Yes? Well, I think, sir... I can't be sure, but I think it is a case the mistress once bought for the master. Ah. But whether she gave it to him or not, I can't say, of course. Uh, precisely. Well, that, that, that is all, I think. I, I wish you good day. Oh, good day, sir. Mm. Thank you. But why should you still suspect Kettering? Everything points the other way. Why the comp actually had the jewels in his possession? Uh, no. But you showed them to me. No. You mean to say you didn't show them to me? No. Yesterday at the tennis? Uh, no. Are you crazy, Mr. Poirot, or am I? <laughs> Look, neither of us is crazy. You ask me a question, I answer it. You say, have I not shown you the jewels yesterday? I replied, no. What I showed you, Mr. Van Alden, was a first-class imitation. What? Yeah, hardly to be distinguished except by an expert from I, the real ones. Uh, are, are you serious? Yeah. Yes, it alters the position, does it not? Imitation. All along, monsieur, you have had this idea. Uh, you never believed that the Comte de la Roche was the murderer? No, I have had doubts. Robbery with violence and murder... No, it doesn't harmonize with the personality of the court. But you believe he meant to steal the rubies? Oh, certainly there is no doubt about that. The court knew the rubies and made his plans accordingly. He made up a romantic story of a book he was writing so as to induce your daughter to bring them with her. He provided himself with an exact duplicate. It is clear, is it not, that substitution is what he was after? Yes, but what actually happened? Well, it's quite simple. Someone stepped in ahead of the Count. How long have you suspected my son-in-law, Monsieur Poirot? Ah, from the very first. He had the motive and the opportunity. You believe he murdered her? No. No, I do not say that, but it is a possibility, a very strong possibility. Look, just find Ruth's murderer for me, Poirot. That's all I ask. Leave it in the hands of Hercule Poirot. Have no fears. I will discover the truth. Mm, all of which is all very well, but there is just one little obstacle. How am I to do it? Monsieur Poirot! Huh? You have the weary air of a man who has just emerged from a conference with my father-in-law. <laughs> and you have the air of a man who has just parted from an attractive young lady. Hmm. Was that Miss Gray I saw? Mm, yeah, she is rather a dear, isn't she? Ah. You will uh, <coughs> pardon an old man, monsieur, if he says to you something you may consider impertinent. There's one of your English proverbs that I would quote to you. It says that it is well to be off with the old love before being on with the new. What the devil do you mean by that? <laughs> that is what I mean. The lady in that car there. Mirelle. No, Monsieur Poirot, you're wrong. I've broken with her utterly, and she knows uh, it. You have broken with her, yes, but has she broken with you? Mirelle mm, won't break with two million pounds, if she can help it. Oh, you are cynical, Monsieur Catherine. Am I? Well, I've lived in the world long enough, Monsieur Poirot, to know that all women are pretty much alike. All save one, that is. Ah. I know what you're going to say. The kind of life I've led, the fact that I'm not worthy of her, 
Well, you'll say that I have no earthly chance of marrying Catherine. No, I, I would not say that. Your reputation is bad, yes, but with women that will not deter. If you were a man of excellent character, of strict morality, who had done the things that he should not do, then I should have had grave doubts of your success. Moral worth, you understand, is not romantic. It is, however, appreciated by widows. But it is time that I return to my hotel. I I believe you with another English saying, Monsieur Kettering, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Think about it. The personality of a criminal, Georges, is an interesting matter. Sir? Many murderers are men of great personal charm. I have always heard, sir, that Dr. Crippin was a pleasant-spoken gentleman, Mm. and yet he cut up his wife like so much mincemeat. (laughs) Your instances are always apt, Georges. Hello, it is Poirot who speaks. Uh, this is Knighton, Monsieur Poirot. Uh, Mr. Van Alden would like to speak to you. Is that you, Poirot? Yes. I just wanted to tell you that Mason came to me just now of her own accord. She's been thinking it over, and she says that she's almost certain that the man in Paris was Derek Kettering. There was something familiar about him at the time, she says, but she couldn't place it. She seems pretty certain now. Ah, thank you, Monsieur Van Alden. That advances us. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Monsieur. <coughs> are you um, lunching here, Monsieur Poirot, or are you going out? Mm. Mm. Neither. I shall go to bed and take a tisane. Ah. The expected has happened, and when the expected happens, it always causes me emotion. <laughs> Monsieur Catering! A gentleman is waiting to see you, monsieur. Uh, who is he? He did not give his name, but he said his business with you was important and that he would wait. Where is he? In the little salon, monsieur. He preferred it to the lounge, he said, as being more private. The Comte de la Roche, is it not? Ah, monsieur Catering, allow me to offer you my condolences on your recent bereavement. Your condolences are misplaced. Get on with what you've come here to say. Then I will come immediately to the point, if that is what you wish. Yes, that is what I wish, or I shall boot you down the promenade des Anglais. If you desire it, monsieur, I will send my friends to you. All that I desire is that you should say what you've come here to say and then get out. Very well. You have come into a lot of money. What the devil has that got to do with you? I am suspected of murdering your wife. So not only am I unjustly suspected of a crime that I did not commit, but I am also in serious need of money. And my conscience might impel me to go to the police with certain information. What do you mean by that? Certain information has come into my hands that could result in your being arrested and tried for murder. It would not be exactly agreeable to you. Then, uh, I shall call your bluff, De La Roche. It is no bluff. My information was obtained from a certain lady... It is she who holds the irrefutable proof that you committed the murder.
This has been a Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.